Hi, welcome to Viewfinders. I'm your host, Graham Dargie, and today my guest is Valda Bailey, an artist from Sussex, England. Valda's incredible photography uses a variety of techniques to explore nature and create something truly unique. If you're not familiar with Valda's work, I recommend you take a look. I recorded this interview back in 2018 for a project that fell off my radar at the time. Revisiting the recording for this project was fascinating and I found Valda to be a smart, creative and courageous lady who I really, really admired. The conversation ranges from Valda's journey to find her own style, why she takes confidence from that journey, how she presses on in difficult times and much more. If you're on any kind of creative path, I'm sure you'll take a few things away from this episode. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. It really makes a difference to the visibility of the show, and I really, really appreciate that. I'd love to connect with you, and you can find me on social media and at the Viewfinders webpage, where you can also get more photography tips. Okay, here's my conversation with the amazing Valda Bailey. Thank you, Valda. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, can you, for anyone who might not know who you are or, or know your photography, can you give us a quick introduction to yourself uh, and tell us a little bit about your photography? Um, okay, my name is Valda Bailey. Um, I make images in a impressionistic style. I suppose it's probably the easiest way to um, describe what I do. Um, I used to paint. Um, painting was my first creative love. And the way I take my images is, is informed by my love of painting. Um, specifically abstract painting. So I'm, I'm really not looking to um, represent what I see in front of me. I'm, I'm looking to interpret it. Um, and my photography is, is a lot more about ideas than, than location. And, and um, when you take that approach, you're only really constrained by what's going on in your head and your imagination. Um, the one thing that I, I didn't excel at much when I was at school, but the one thing that um, did keep coming back on my school reports was were remarks about my imagination. And I sort of I suppose I've carried that forward and it now um, very much influences the way I make my images. It's quite interesting, I think, that you you talk about painting because your, your pictures could, look, could be paintings, you know, at a glance. Um, can you take us through, I mean, did you always shoot in that style or was there a moment where something clicked in that way that you thought you could represent things in a more almost painterly kind of way or abstract way? No, uh, absolutely not. I, I I started out, I used to be a photographer when I was 14, 15. I went off to night school with my dad and learned all the nuts and bolts of shutter speeds and apertures and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I pursued it. Um, we had a dark room and I sort of really enjoyed getting into that. Um, then I sort of put it aside in my 20s and life got in the way as it tends to do. Um, and I picked up a camera again when the digital revolution came came along, probably 2004, maybe something like that. Um, and a friend of mine introduced me to Flickr. Um, so I went on Flickr and, um, you know what these places are like, you know, you build up a following, get a lot of, um, positive comments, nothing that means very much, but, um, I sort of got into a groove taking very uninspiring pictures of still lives and uh, puppies and flowers and macro and all that sort of stuff. And, um, I learned a lot there and, um, I went along with it for a couple of years and then I suddenly realized that what I was doing was actually very unimaginative. It wasn't creative at all. It was derivative. Um, it was nothing that hadn't been done a million times before by somebody with a better camera, better light, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I started thinking about a way of making images that could be unique to me, uh, that had my voice in them um, a little bit more strongly. Um, I decided that perhaps the only way, I mean, I didn't know about 
um, impressionistic landscape photography back then. Um, I really wasn't, I had no interest in landscape photography. I just assumed it was a steady parade of um, milky seas and orange sunsets and the calendar fodder, which didn't, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, So I thought, well, maybe street photography is the way to go. You know, I can go out and capture the decisive moment and that can't be replicated and um, this this could be a way forward for me. So um, I went off and I did a course with um, Jay Maisel in New York um, and um, had a lot of fun there and I learned an awful lot. Um, and I pursued it for a couple of years. And it was okay because my husband and I travelled a fair amount, places like India and, and, and so on, where it was quite easy to wave your camera around. Nobody got cross with you. Everything was easy. And um, But then, of course, I, I come back to the little town where I live in, 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 in deepest Sussex and um, you go up to the little village and, and you can stand on the pavement outside the um, dry cleaners waiting for the decisive moment, you know, for three hours and it really it, it ain't going to happen <laughs> um and also you're standing there with a the telephoto lens you're liable to get sort of you know arrested or something um so um from that point of view it really wasn't desperately convenient and I was also starting to have misgivings about the um ethics of it all I'm not really the type of person who um engages well with people um I'm fairly solitary and I'm very very introverted um so rather than ask people if I could take their image I did tend to lurk behind trees and lampposts with a telephoto lens um, stealing images and, and that's not really cool I didn't think um, if somebody saw me and got angry shouted at me they'd ruin my day they'd probably ruin their day I thought well there's got to be another way um, so I did start looking at abstract uh, landscape photography um, I went and did a one-to-one with Charlie Waite actually to learn about um, what he was doing at the time um, and then one day I came across a photo by um, a chap called Chris Friel in a magazine and it was a very abstract image, almost like a Rothko painting of a landscape. It's just sort of three bands of colour. I think it's outdoor photography. Um, and it literally stopped me in my tracks because it was an image made using ICM, intentional camera movement, which I had absolutely no knowledge of at the time. Um, and I looked and I read the article, realised he hadn't done it in Photoshop, um, which didn't interest me either. Um, and I realised he'd done it just by moving his camera around and, and being creative with the white balance. And it was absolutely pivotal. Um, I realised that there was a way forward for me. Um, so I set about learning all I could about Chris and how he approached his work. And that led me to Doug, who at the time was teaching um, ICM and, and techniques that Chris used. Um, so I booked up a one-to-one with Doug. Um, I mean, I was so excited. I really couldn't wait. And um, Doug actually came down and we went off to meet Chris that day. So I was really lucky I got to meet him. Okay. Um, and, and that was really what started me on the journey for want of a better word I realized that there was a way where I could make images a that couldn't be replicated b that could satisfy um, my creative um, urges and see the images that were sort of like painting with a camera I guess Um, and it just seemed to tick all the boxes for me I'd have to say I didn't realize at the time how fiendishly difficult it is to get right Mm. it's not prescriptive in the way that traditional landscape photography is Mm. you can put your camera on a tripod and, and sort out your rule of thirds and F11 and, and, and plug in all your bits and pieces, take a shot. And with the cameras the way they are today, you're going to be fairly guaranteed of a you know, half decent shot. Well, ICM isn't like that. Um, you you know, you have to be willing to experiment and fail an awful lot. Um, but that okay. I enjoy that aspect of it too. Okay, there's a lot in there that I would like to circle back to and touch on actually. I wanted to ask you about your experience with Jamie Sell because he's such a obviously well respected and if you I just listen to if you listen to him talking for like two minutes you pick up so much you know oh he's brilliant he's an absolutely brilliant speaker um I treated myself for my 50th birthday and it sort of came on the back of three or four years at Flickr 
And, you know, I, as I say, I had you know, people following me and making nice comments. But what, of course, I didn't realize was, you know, how empty all those comments were. They don't mean anything. And mm. I booked up for this thing. And it was, oh, was $5,000. It was a huge amount of money. But I decided, you know, it was a present to myself. And so I trotted off there about a week before Christmas, um, what, nearly 10 years ago, actually. Um, and um, I arrived at this where he, it used to take place in this the bank building um, in the Bowery. So this massively imposing bank building. And there were eight of us in the class, seven guys and, one, and me. And we all sat around in, the corner, in, in a circle on the first day. And um, Jay asked us to sort of open up about why we were there. And um, I was at the end of the, the line. And as, as we went around, I realized how out, out of my depth I was. The first guy was just come back from working with CNN in the Iraq war. Okay. Um, there was a professional photographer from California shooting magazines and um, some other professional <laughs> from Germany who'd been all around the world with some newspaper. And it came to me and I sort of said, well, I'm a 50-year-old housewife from Sussex. And, you know, <laughs> here I am. Um, and I realized at the time that, you know, okay, maybe I'm a bit out of my depth here. And it, it never was more apparent than um, we were sent out onto the street to, you know, shoot New York, which, you know, obviously there's, there's huge amounts happening there. But the next morning we had to present 10 images, each of us, um, and they were um, projected onto a screen in one of the huge um, – uh, boardrooms so we all sat around this enormous mahogany table and, and we had to critique everybody's images as they were up there on the screen um and of course i've come from Flickr, where a critique is, is something like nice capture great colors mm. and that wasn't what was required at all um and it very quickly became apparent that say i just didn't have the dialogue i didn't have the language um i the one of the narrative i just you know i was totally out of my depth and um, Jay very quickly sort of cottoned on to this. And he, he, I mean, he takes no prisoners. Uh, you know, he, he's fairly gruff, but he, he has got a kind heart. Um, I think I think it was about the second or third day, I remember finding my husband saying, I can't do this, I want to come home. Mm. Um, but I did stick it out. And in fact, I went back about two years later and did an alumni course. And, and um, uh, the group was a little bit more diverse. Um, they weren't all, you know, high-flying professionals. And I felt I'd learned a lot more and I was able to hold my own. Um, but it taught me a huge amount. I mean, it's, it's, it was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life being in that building mm. and listening to him um, going up through the floors and seeing his, all, the, all his work there and, 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 and everything um, to do with his creativity. It was an absolute you know, bucket list experience. Is there anything that you took from that journey, the street photography side of things, that does transfer into what you do now? Because it's so different. It, it is very different, yeah. Um, although, I mean, in some ways, um, I'm capturing something that can't be replicated, um, whether it's with sort of camera movement. Um, I mean, Jay bangs on about light, gesture and colour. And um, those are the three aspects that I try to incorporate um, in my work. Colour has always been an absolute passion of mine. I've tried to shoot in black and white and it just doesn't do it for me. I'm, I'm really, really interested in colour. Um, and um, I know Jay has studied colour, you know, um, in, in depth. In great depth, I think he was a student of Joseph Albert, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and gesture as well. I mean, that's an indefinable something that just makes a, a picture sing somehow. Mm. And it's not something that you, you don't have to have a human being in it to, to have gesture in an image. It can be captured in many, many ways. So um, I do try to take those teachings through um, and reflect them in the work that I do uh, today. So from there, you went on to meet Chris Friel uh, or see his work and be influenced mm. there. Um, can you, was there like a definitive, like that, it just clicked moment when you saw that picture of Chris's? Yeah, absolutely. Well, without a shadow of a doubt, and I owe him a great debt of, attitude, uh, of gratitude. 
um, because um, yeah, I don't know what I'd be doing really if I hadn't come across that. Maybe I'd have found him some other way. I don't know. But um, I then obviously started researching his work, and I realised that there was this way forward um, for me—not just his colour work, but the black and white work that he'd done of his family and um, you know, the beach um, at Whitstable where he lives. And um, I was just totally hooked, and it was just a way of making images that I didn't think was possible. Um, so um, it said on your website um, that minimalism hasn't captured your interests, but detail, clutter, confusion, and most importantly, imperfection holds more appeal, which makes me think that you would like the inside of my house, really. But anyway, um, <laughs> well, you can it? see behind me how cluttered <laughs> my room is. I don't, <laughs> I don't do minimalist. <laughs> right. So, um, what is it about that that grabs you? I've, I've, I find the clutter in my house. I find it quite stressful. Um, but it, maybe it makes you, it gives you some kind of peace or you, you, you thrive in it. What can you say about that? Well, it's funny you say that because I just did an um, interview with somebody <coughs> else to, um, to promote PhotoFest, um, PhotoSpeed's PhotoFest, where I'm speaking in September. And there were a series of questions. And so, I don't know how what, what the question was, but it led me to describe the state of my desk. And I'm, I'm one of these people and also my inbox. Um, I don't know if it's a Virgo in me, but I have to have a tidy desk. I have to have tidiness around me. I don't mind if the rest of the house is a shambles, but in my working area, I do get very stressed if there's stuff all over the place, piles of stuff, and likewise my inbox. You know, I can't really set to work and do anything creative until that's all tidy and in order. Um, so um, there's a bit of a disparity going on there. I don't really know what it's about. Certainly when it comes to my image making, um, I find perfection quite boring. I'm, I suppose most of us as photographers would much rather take picture of a you know perhaps an old person with with wrinkles and interest in their face rather than a um the perfection of a young teenage girl i mean for me i would or 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 a a man obviously um you know i i think there is much more interest um in imperfection um and i i think that um it's something that carries through into I don't do portraits but into the work that i do i don't try to um clone out every every imperfection um, I went, when I used to paint, I was taught by a brilliant man as an old adult, um, as a mature student um, called Robin Child, and he used to teach us to leave our mistakes on the canvas. Um, you know, you couldn't have rubber. You leave your mistakes on the canvas and you work around them and you work over them. Mm. And eventually I think that gives an image its energy mm. and its depth. Do you think, um, I, like, I think you touched on it before, but you, photography, landscape anyway, other types of photography for sure, can be quite prescriptive in the process, mm. you know, with the landscape, yes, it, and so, and then of course we want to perfect things after the fact as well. Do you think we're missing something by having this sort of perfectionist sort of approach? Well, I, I'm, I, I can't be pejorative about it. This is just what works for me. I mean, um, there are a lot of people who love doing long exposures, and I have tried the black and white long exposure thing. And it takes a huge amount of discipline and, and you have to be very precise about what you do and your filters that go on. Everything's got to be clean and free of thumbprints. And um, for a start, my personality isn't like that. I don't work like that. I'm a bit um, shambolic in my approach and, and there are generally smears all over my lenses and, and what have you. So it doesn't work. But um, it also produces images um, of a sort of studied perfection that I don't find 
Um, they don't move me. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say I'm not obviously I'm not saying they don't have value because we're all in it for different ideas. Sure. And I can only approach what I do with my own objectives and my own sort of artistic background. But um, I know, you know, that's that type of photography has a, a huge following and rightly so. It's a great discipline, but it's not one that I'm interested in pursuing, um, nor I think do I have the ability to do so. Mm. I do I for landscapes I have to say I do shoot that way because I can get well recently when I've been getting back into landscapes I I can go I know I can go in and do I can do a long exposure and I can do it very quickly mm. relative to you know it's a two minute exposure or whatever but there's a little process to get to the shot you know which might take yeah, yeah. ten or fifteen minutes and if conditions are going your way you can really get in and out and do it very well and I know what the result will be you know beforehand. Mm. If you, I think my background as a commercial photographer, you have to go in and do a thing and you have to yeah. come away with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would find that's how I've been sort of conditioned to have to go and produce a result that I know what it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with the ICM and the multiples, it's sort of the opposite of that, isn't it? You don't, you're never going to, or can you know with experience what you're going to get? You, you, you can have some idea, but... Um... For example, I was um, up in uh, Glencoe with Doug um, last winter. We were making a series of videos, mm. which you want to sell on the website. And um, we took a videographer with us, and um, we were each doing sessions, and I was did one on the blend modes that I would choose. And we found this little icy puddle, and I did a little piece to camera about how I choose which blend mode and do I know in advance. And I sort of went into a long spiel about, you know, generally now, because I've been doing it so long, I have some idea of which blend mode I'm going to use. Um, so I shot off a series of images of this little pond with some leaves and stuff in it um, in a certain blend mode um, using the uh, approach that I thought would work. Um, and then just as he was wrapping up, I said, oh, well, I'll just try it in the other, in the other blend mode. I, you know, it, it's going to be a waste of time. I know it is. It's not going to work mm-hmm. because of the way the light was falling. And, and shooting this way, you learn to look for tonal values as much as anything else. I said the tonal values are all too similar. It's just going to be a muddy mess. And I started, and to my absolute amazement, it was far, far better than the piece that I'd already shot. Um, so that sort of taught me a, a lesson, really, you know, never, never say never and, and always keep experimenting. It's it's a way of shooting that um, um, rewards a, an inquiring mind and a willingness to experiment and to play with the camera. Mm. Uh, and um, it's certainly not for everybody, as I say, if you if you need to get the job done and uh, for whatever reason. Um, then it's possibly not for you, but I can go out and get in a very meditative state of mind, just sort of playing with the camera, trying different settings and, and, and um, throwing around ideas in my head and, and, and just waiting for something to come together. It doesn't always come together. Sometimes it's you know abject failure, um, but it's, it's just a way of shooting that, that suits me. So for you, what's the rewarding part for you? Is it the end or the process? Um, it's it's all I suppose all of those things. Um, I'm a bit constrained by time at the moment, um, like a lot of people. Um, there's just not enough of it, um, and I no longer have the time to think. Well, I'll go out and spend a day shooting. You know, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm lucky. I've got a big garden, so there's a lot of inspiration here for me. Um, but I, I don't tend to go down to the coast, for example, anything that'll take a day out of my time because, you know, the workshops and what have you, I just haven't got it. Okay. So um, I tend to shoot when I'm on holiday because I've got time. Um, or perhaps when I'm teaching, if there's a bit of downtime and this, you know, the clients are all off doing their own thing, I might have. But obviously, you can't switch off to the same degree. So um, you sort of tailor your approach to, to the given circumstances. But yeah. um, to go back to your question, um, I really enjoy the challenge of seeing something and thinking, well, how am I going to make the best of this? And what is it I'm trying to say? Um, and it's about, for me, it's about um, 
portraying, um, not portraying things, but aspects of those things or ideas about those things, um, whether it's an emotion, a piece of music, or, yeah, I mean, it, it's a very abstract way of thinking, and I tend to um, work in an abstract way more and more. Um, so what it does mean is I can pretty much go anywhere. I haven't got to go to a honeypot location and make an image. I can, mm. you know, just a you know, nondescript body of water or um, some leaves on the ground. By moving the camera around, I can sort of create abstraction. Mm. Um, and I really enjoy that challenge of being able to make something out of nothing. Mm. So I suppose for me that that is probably the most rewarding part. Um, I find the editing a bit frustrating. Sometimes it comes together. Sometimes it feels like pulling teeth. Mm. Uh, but the whole process is, is good. Are you thinking about the editing from the front end? Or do you feel like it's a whole joined up process? Or... No, not necessarily, no. I'm trying to get in the camera as close to what it is that I'm trying to portray. Mm. I mean, I do a reasonable amount of editing, but I'd, I'd rather get it right in camera. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to, you know, this style of photography, it has become more popular recently. Yes, um, it has, yeah. When you, when, you do, when you started to do this, when it was something that's so different from what was sort of the done thing at the time. Did you have doubts about it um, or did you have to ask yourself if it was okay to do it or was there any other a voice that was saying, well, it's not, it's just not the done thing, so is it okay to do? That's a good question, actually. Um, uh, firstly, um, yes, I didn't realise it was okay to move my camera around. I had sort of done it before by accident and thought, well, that's quite nice, but, you know, it's obviously not, it's not valid. So, you know, I'm not going to pursue that. Mm. But then seeing um, Chris's work, um, and I obviously researched other people doing similar things, although I couldn't find many at the time, it, it did give it um, credibility. And I realised that it was okay to do that. Um, the other difficult thing was, um, because I built up a following on um, Flickr, um, all of a sudden you're changing direction. Um, and you're not posting what people expect you to post. And that takes quite a lot of courage, you know, to go against um, expectation. And I, I've said before, the comments on Flickr, and they're, you know, it's all pretty meaningless, but, you know, we, we all love a pat on the back. And, mm. and all of a sudden I was posting this stuff that was just, you know, well, a lot of people, you know, couldn't understand it. Very small few, few people um, were really interested and, and um, gradually build up a new following. So um, perhaps the... Um, impetus to carry on um although it was very difficult at first i just felt that i'd found something and i just knew i had to pursue it regardless of of what anybody else thought about it mm. but it's one of the comments that um a lot of people who come on the course uh, come on our courses say you know it's it, they're perhaps in their in a camera club and you know they've got to they've got to submit an image for their monthly or weekly competition or whatever you and and then they've got to put up with everybody's comments because it's different to what they've done before and it's not proper photography um i think it's gradually gaining acceptance i mean the one thing that, that really annoys me is when you get the camera club judges um who just immediately uh, denigrate anything that you know is done with an alternative technique and i think what a lot of them fail to realize that that art and photography evolve they have to evolve they have to move on and you don't necessarily have to like this way of shooting, but I think it's not unreasonable to, to respect that it exists and that it's valid. Mm. Um, and I know certainly from a lot of the comments that I get from, from the people I teach, there are many camera club judges who've got completely closed minds about it, and I think that's a great pity. But for you in this process, that I think it, what you're saying was that you you had it resonated with you anyway internally, the style yeah. of shooting, and that was enough to just to drive you because you felt yeah, like it was. It was. I knew that it was what I I, I wanted <clears throat> to do, and it was what I've been looking for. Yeah, 
But when um, you when you stood out from your what you were doing before and going on against what your audience would have expected, mm. was that uncomfortable in some way, or did it take some courage to keep going, or did you? Think oh yeah, that, yeah, it was uncomfortable. Um, and and I think at the beginning of your previous question, you said something about um, um, feeling comfortable with what you do now, and and. I'm never satisfied with what I do. I don't think that ever changes. I think the day you think you've cracked it and you know exactly what you're doing is the day you might as well give up. So um, it's one of those things, the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn. Mm. Um, so I don't think I'm any more confident about it now. I mean, obviously, I teach and all the rest of it. So uh, things have changed from that perspective. But, um, you know, I'm still constantly striving to make an image that I'm really happy with. And I don't know, maybe that'll never happen. I, I I think it comes with creativity, doesn't it? Most of us, I think, are like that. Um, we don't strut around thinking, you know, my God, we're marvellous. Um, we we just we see the mistakes, we see the errors, we see the ways that the images could be better. And I suppose that's what drives drives us forward. So in the process of shooting, do you have you, you I, I don't think you just go on, you take the one shot and you're done. You have to go oh, no. through a process to find the image that you're making, right? That's exactly it. Yeah, so, I'll find something that takes my eye and I, you know, with a tree or a leaf or a coastline or whatever and it's not unusual for me to sit there for 40 minutes um a starting to think about what it is i want to say and then b trying to um um agree on the, the settings on the camera that are going to um enable me to say that and make the image that I, I i'm trying to make or a set of images what i tend to do is try to shoot a set of images that will go in a gallery maybe six or nine images that i can put on it in, in a gallery on my website um, and that can take you know anything from forty five minutes if it's flowing well, or it can take several hours and several visits. Um, it's a sort of process of constant experimentation. You know, what if I do this and what if I do that? And, hmm. But are you what are you following there? It just has to look right to you, or it has to feel right to you, or how do you know that you're sort of getting down the right track with it? Well, firstly, um, it, it, as I said before, um, I don't want the um, technique to speak louder than the image and that's not always easy when I first came to um, multiple exposures I suddenly realized that I could repeat a white gate across an image nine times well just because I could do it didn't mean to say that you know I should do it and it took me a while to to realize that um, so obvious repetition is, is something I try to avoid um, and there are a lot of um, different settings on the camera that you can change throughout the sequence obviously you can combine multiple exposure with um, ICM and that creates um, blur and abstracts detail. Um, you can change your white balance as you go along, you can change lenses, you can change where you point your camera, um, you can zoom in and out, um, turn the camera upside down, inside out. There are, there are just infinite number of um, options um, at your disposal. So I, I just sort of start start down a road and just keep fine tuning what I'm doing to to get um, an image that is starting to work. I'm say I'm abstraction is my thing color is my thing so if i can um create a pleasing set of shapes on the back of the camera um with some compelling colors then i'm sort of halfway there uh you've got a couple of touchstones in there that you still can bounce off do you know yeah uh, yeah like. so there, there will have been something that's, that's caught my eye whether it's the way the light dances on the water or whether it's some um, um in fact as i'm speaking i'm just in the middle of editing a series of images i took um from the outside of an old greenhouse at Kew Gardens. Um, everybody else was inside um, photographing the orchids and I went outside and there were sort of what seemed to be years and years of, of, of old leaves stuck to the window. And they're very, very abstract and um, you know, sort of green and murky, but there was just something there about the way these delicate leaves had stuck so tenaciously to the inside of the, these, this glass house um, that really caught my eye. And, and I just worked that area for about 
I was there for about an hour, and in fact, I've been back several times doing the same thing to try and build up a series. Um, so it can be something as you know simple as stupid as a leaf, and, and that leaf suddenly sort of speaks to me. I think, well, it, you know, it's still sitting there. I wonder how long it's been there, and um, obviously, it sort of brings to mind all sorts of ideas about time and um, how that evolves, and, and, and um, the pattern that's built up on the inside of the greenhouse, all the algae, and what have you. So. Um, I mean, that's an example of, you know, something that might catch my eye and I would work through those ideas to try and get a project. I have to say it's not going very well. I've been trying to pull something out of it for about three weeks now and I'm just not getting what I want. So um, I might have to go back again and give it another go. With Are you quite tenacious with that then? You're going to keep trying until you get it? You feel like you know there's something there? or is there? A um, yes, you this one to... I will. Sometimes I'll just give up and say, well, it, you know, it isn't what I thought it was. But with this, it, it's really... Um, it, you know, I just love the, the soft abstraction and the delicate, um, fragile elements that are um, fused to the window. Um, and it's, um, I did a book recently called Fragile, and it's it, the sort of fragile elements in the landscape is, is something that, that um, runs through my work. It's something I'm quite interested in. Have you had um, times or seasons where you just have felt like you'd fallen out of your rhythm or you haven't been able to find the images that you look for? You felt like you've been failing at all and if you've had those how how do you deal with that move things forward freshen it up or bounce back from those times um well that's quite a timely question actually because i've been going through a bit of a slump in the last three or four weeks and it, i haven't been out shooting but i've been trying to go through my lightroom catalogue um like most of us it gets horribly bloated and i don't sort of edit it as often as i should so going through um you know i've been out shooting when we've been on workshops and what have you and haven't even bothered to look at the or not bothered haven't had the time to look at the images so i'm just trying to go through it all now and find something that i think is worthwhile um working on and, and say so day after day after day um there's just been nothing and um i think it's probably a lot to do with my state of mind and we my brother was was killed in a fire last year, and um, I think I sort of put the breathing thing on hold, and it's for various reasons. It's hit me again um, fairly recently, um, and I think you know you you know depression is obviously a big factor when it comes to creativity, mm. uh, and it's I don't know I've been sitting down everything I look at it just looks terrible. And I was, you know you um, I'm sorry I'm not, this is not a cry for sympathy. I'm you know a lot of creatives um, go through this. You sort of start questioning everything you're doing and nothing seems to have value and um today is the first day where i've come down and i've sort of felt a bit more buoyant about things so um but there are all sorts of different factors that that, that affect it and i think you've just got to either walk away from it and do something else or perhaps um take images in a different way using a different lens or, or just try and break the pattern um of what you've been doing or, or say just give it a break for a couple of weeks and hope that it will return because it will i mean it's inside all of us so it has to come out you were saying before you haven't been shooting much lately for yourself. No. Do you feel like if you were able to get find some time to do that, it would lighten things up a bit internally? I think it probably would. I think that's what I need to do is go out and, and um, make some images for myself <laughs> when I have got a bunch of clients who are sort of, you know, relying on me and, and, and I, the time is just my own. Mm. Uh, and I may well do that actually this coming weekend. It's only obviously the workshop season runs, you know, throughout the autumn and then through the spring and it's only the last couple of weeks that I've really got time on my hands to, to start doing my own shooting. Of course, it does coincide with the summertime, which is not ideal light, as you know. Mm. Um, but um, I really believe that creativity thrives on boundaries. So, you know, if you wait for the perfect time to go out where all the planets are in alignment and everything is beautiful, then um, you don't have to think as much um, when you're battling with obstacles and, and boundaries. Um, it, it, it just encourages you to think differently and perhaps think in a way that... Um, 
it's not would not be obvious um, if the conditions were more um, appealing. Just to touch on what you said again, I know for me, it's the one of the, probably the best thing I can do for mental health is to go out and be taking pictures. I just <laughs> I haven't been doing it lately. I'm okay, but I know that there are times previously when I've struggled. I don't know if I'm an introvert, I think, like you said as well, and it just being out there on your own and having some space and you've got something to do with your hands, your thinking, your eyes in the camera. Yeah. It's quite an immersive experience and you put your yeah. whole self into it, right? Yeah, absolutely. It takes it takes you to another place. I know that sounds a bit fanciful, but you do. You just go off into another realm and um, invariably come, come away from it feeling better, even if the pictures turn out to be rubbish. It's just the experience of, of sort of... I don't know, being so close to nature for one thing and, and, and this sort of incredible concentration. I mean, with obviously the same applies with long exposure. Um, um, image making, you have to concentrate and you have to get it right and um, you go in the, into the zone. And, and I think it's a sort of meditative process, isn't it, which, mm. as you say, helps mental health. How do you find then, because you're running a lot of workshops, so you must have to be on and with people and present for those people. Um, yep. Is that in some ways is it challenging i'm sure you enjoy it of course um, i say you don't but is it a challenge to be with people for a couple of days full on it, it is a challenge and it was the one thing that worried me uh, the greatest when um was charlie wake got in touch and said you want to run some um, workshops with light and land and i'd done a couple with doug just because people had asked me to and decided i really wasn't going to do it anymore and then charlie got in touch i mean obviously i was hugely flattered and i'd give it serious consideration but um apart from being very worried that I wasn't up to the job. The biggest thing that concerned me was spending time with people. Um, and firstly, I have to say that almost without exception, the people that we get to teach are lovely people. Photographers tend to be nice, gentle people. Um, but as I said, I'm an introvert and spending time with people, it sucks the energy out of me. Um, and I, you know, I can sit around a, di a dinner table and we are with them most of the day. Um, but the sort of eight hours that you have in your room at the end of the night is a, is a sort of, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 um, I look forward to it. And when I come back after four or five days, you know, back to my husband and two dogs and nobody else, it, it's lovely. And you just regenerate yourself. Yeah. Um, I think extroverts, they feed off energy, don't they, in a room? So it's very different for them. But, um, I'm, I'm very lucky as to say the people that I get to spend time with, um, almost without exception are lovely people mm, I it's of friends sorry i didn't mean to talk over you i was just no. going to say uh, i can relate i did a, a led a safari in kenya recently it's you're in close quarters because you're in the four by four yeah and of course then we were going to have meals together and then you're in the four by four at night again and uh, i just i knew from experience that we really go really badly wrong but i was able to find Sometime I did this sort of video blogging from the safari and I was able to lock myself away in my tent at night and do that stuff Which I yeah. think was really good to recharge me and then I was ready to go again in the morning, but it's it can be the prospect of it can be quite stressful, but um, I think your people will find you through it as well You know the people who come as you said somehow they'll be your kind of people, you know They do they tend to be I mean people I know that Doug and I are doing our own workshops um you know, we have we, we sort of know all the people on the mailing list and, and um, they come to us because they like our approach um, and it works both ways. So, uh, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Um, we don't we don't get any different difficult clients and they're all you know, generally really nice people to spend time with. And I'm very lucky to be able to do that. Going forward, Valda, how do you feel or foresee things going? Can you know how things are going to develop or do you think do you find that one idea bounces you in a different direction that you didn't foresee? Are you talking about creatively? Yes. Work? Um, no, I'm always sort of pushing boundaries, trying, you know, 
poking away at different things, um, asking questions. Um, what I'm quite mindful of not doing is, is sort of getting into a rut and finding a way of shooting that, you know, I, I know that the X, Y, and Z works, so I'll go and repeat it over <coughs> and over again. Um, I have to say it's something I tend to perhaps take to extremes. A recent exhibition we did at the Oxo, um, I decided to go down a different road with the presentation of the images and I started distressing copper and mounted the images on copper and, and, and applied, um, applied gold leaf and um, I mean even the night before the exhibition I suddenly decided that um, I'd had them all printed and framed but the ratio of print to copper was wrong so I took them all apart printed them all out again did all the gold leaf again yeah. assembled them all again um, and it was it was such a small thing but I was, I was so freaked about the fact that you know I was trying this new deal at, at the Oxo gallery in, on the South Bank I mean I mean I don't know what I was thinking, really. I mean, I could have tried a slightly quieter venue. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, they were well-received and, and they sold well. But um, it sort of taught me a lesson, really, because um, in, the, in the days and weeks coming up to the exhibition, I started to feel really sick with, you know, anticipation and, and worry about, you know, what on earth am I trying to do here? Um, but I, I think that you have to be, well, it's been said before, you have to be prepared to fail, don't you, mm -hmm. in order to, to advance. So um, it's just, you know, just trying different things and um ideas bubble up from nowhere it might be you know, a, a poem reading a book seeing a movie seeing something uh, that, that triggers the response and ah, oh, i wonder how i interpret that and maybe there's something here that i could you know weave into my work somehow um it's always being open to to new ideas i remember one, one of jay's most brilliant quotes and there are many many of his pearls of wisdom that i've got tucked away he said um somebody once asked him how to be a better photographer and he said become a more interesting person mm. Um, I'm not trying to say I'm an interesting person, but there's so much truth in that. You know, the more the more you um, um, expose yourself to um, you know, different forms of, of creativity, um, the more the ideas come. And so, do you? Is that something you actively do? You you keep yourself open. You're looking for different influences in music, like you said, in poetry, books, etc. When time allows, unfortunately, I, I say time is. You know, I have apart from the working, the work that I do with Doug and Light and Land. Um, my husband and I have two elderly mothers and, you know, my husband's business runs from home. We have two dogs and, and they're just, you know, I'm juggling a million balls. Um, so um, there is, you know, weeks go by where I don't even have time to pick up a newspaper. And I'm, I'm so busy. I've sort of 12 hour days. Um, so that that's difficult. Um, but, you know, we've got two months coming up now with very few commitments. So I'm hoping that I can immerse myself in mm you know, going to exhibitions and, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think it's really important to have quality input, isn't it? I know <laughs> when I've been in spells of putting out a lot, like recently earlier with the safari and a couple of other things that I did, I just, a lot was going out, but I was aware that I wasn't having time or making time to have stuff come in. That's right, yeah. And I think it's really important to keep that balance, eh, for your sanity, really, if yeah. nothing else. Um, what is, for me, photography's brought me but so many brilliant experiences, places, people. What's the greatest thing, or some of the greatest things, photography has brought to you? Um, I suppose it's. I mean, it seems bizarre because I was just talking about lack of confidence and, and uncertainty about one's work, but it has given me, given me a certain kind of confidence. Um, the fact that my work has been taken up by galleries and and and, and well received, it doesn't necessarily make me feel any more confident about um, what I'm doing. I still question it all the time, but it's given me a sort of um, inner satisfaction that I've, I've I've got this far. I've sort of achieved something, you know, that my work has has, has, has gained a certain amount of recognition, and that people 
Um, I mean, I'm really humbled that people want to be taught by me. And it's a huge responsibility and a great honor um, to teach people. Um, and um, yeah, I'm very much aware of that. And, and But it, it makes me feel sort of quietly pleased. I didn't excel at school at all. And, and I had I grew up in a family where um, one brother went to Oxford and the other one went to Cambridge and there were um, scholarships and all sorts flying around and they were very, very academic and very, very brilliant. And, and I just wasn't. So um, it, it, it obviously um, affects you, that sort of thing. And, and I grew up for many years thinking that, you know, it's a complete failure and a waste of time and um, absolutely without any ability, although I could draw and I could paint to a certain degree. Um, so I, I suppose I'm, I'm quite pleased now that um, certainly for my mum's sake, <laughs> I've, I've managed to, to do something. Um, and she's a painter as well, so she's obviously thrilled to bits. Um, and it's just brought me this lovely life. I, you know, I get to travel to these places and, and, you know, I go off and wave my husband goodbye and I can tell him it's work. Yeah, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm going off to the Carmarg for five days to shoot some horses and yeah. drink gin and tonic in the evening as the sun goes down and, and, and I'm getting paid for this. So, yeah. you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. I, I can have some parallels there and uh, with um, not doing so well earlier in life and, and the, yeah. the journey that photography can give you, I think, is can be, mm. it's, it, you just never know where you're going to end up. So, uh, And they're lovely people as well. I mean, I don't really do social media. Um, I can, you know, I, I struggle with getting out there and promoting myself. And again, I know that's the point of social media, but I've really got to be on top of the world and preferably with a couple of glasses of wine in me before I've got the courage is the right, not the right word, but um, before I feel that there's any point in uploading, you know, a link to a gallery or, you know, come and look at me. This is what I've done. I, I find it incredibly difficult. Um, is it, do you have a, a desire to almost um, knock yourself like self deprecation? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I think anybody on Twitter will sort of say, you know, so that's one of my rare talents is self-deprecation. Okay. Of course, you know, if you post something, you're going to get comments coming back and, and you have to find a way of fielding those comments and self-deprecation is, is, is the easiest. But then there's the false modesty thing and um, too much humility isn't a great thing either. So you can sort of argue yourself into a wormhole. Um, so for me, very often the easiest way is just to withdraw and think, oh, well, I'm not going to get involved in all that because, I, you know, I just can't deal with it. And I know it's pathetic and I know it's mm. stupid. But um, and there's such a lovely bunch of people on social media, and, and it's a lovely environment. I've learned so much, certainly from the contacts I follow. Um, but it, it's just something I just find incredibly difficult. Mm. Um, Do you find that self-deprecation is is quite damaging? Can be damaging for your confidence. Yeah, I don't think it does me any favors, to be honest. It, yeah. It's it's it's. Um, but uh, my whole family are like that, so I don't. Yeah, I think it's. it's probably, I'm probably hardwired to be that way. Mm. Is, is there's difficulties in as a as a creative person, right? Things will come yeah. up. You'll lose confidence. You might have a bad spell, etc. But um, I don't know. You find the courage somehow to keep going, right? You obviously have. I have. Mm. Um, what makes you want to keep going um, when it's um, difficult? Because I can't imagine myself not doing it. Um, I'm driven to create, and I, it's one of the first urges I can remember as a child. Always, I had to had to be making things, creating things. Mm. Um, and it's propelled me forward ever since. So I honestly can't imagine um, not doing it. And I love it. I love doing it. I mean, it's not work for the most part. Um, it's just something that I just, you know, it just fulfills me completely. Um, so even when, you know, your one's confidence is, is, is at rock bottom, um, I'm aware that it's going to pass. And, and um, you know, I've just got, got to work through it because that's what I want to do. Mm. Uh, I don't have to do it. I could go off and do something else, but it's what I want to do. When you saw, say, that um, exhibition we just spoke about at the Oxo, 
you <laughs> saw that hanging, you must have been you must have been quite a buzz. Um, it was a buzz when people were coming in and, and making nice comments. Um, I wasn't sure at first. I thought, I, you know, I just pushed the envelope too far and it was just a gimmick too far. And, um, but, you know, and then I you know, sold a few and, of course, you know, there's nothing like a couple of sales to mm-hmm. give yourself a bit more confidence. Um, and, and the stuff that Doug, Doug and I were showing were, was very, very different to what everybody else – it was a group exhibition. There were nine of us. Um, and our work, both of us, was, was was very different. And I think, say, Doug had a real sort of crisis as well just before the exhibition. It, it, it's incredibly hard to put yourself out there. You're putting your soul on the line, basically. Mm, yeah. This is who I am and this is what I've done for the last six months. And, you know, <laughs> um, you, you've got no way of knowing how it's going to be received. So, um, you know, it, it, it's quite a courageous thing to do, I think. So perhaps it would have been um, unusual if, if we hadn't have been anxious. And, in fact, everybody, as they came into to hang their images, all the other um, exhibitors there, and they're all people I know, all said exactly the same thing, how fed up they were of seeing their own work, because they'd worked with it day in, day out for the last however many weeks and months, and it was stale to them. Mm-hmm. And they come out and they see everybody else's work, and it's fresh and new. Um, but, of course, you're not looking at it with jaded eyes or critical eyes. Um, so um, I think that's something else to bear in mind when you look at other people's work, and it all looks so exciting, and you look at your own, and because you're working, you're too close to it. Um, it, it's sort of in, inevitable but you, it's more difficult to be objective about it um, so I do try to keep that in mind as well and that pushes me forward Okay, I'm going to let you off the hook now Vlada thank you so much <laughs> very um, well. thank okay. you for your time, really appreciate it I really enjoyed chatting to you, thank you very much I'm, I'm flattered that you would ask me yeah, no problem, I was, I'm flattered that you agreed to come on well, I hope you took as much away from that conversation as I did What an insight into the thoughts of a great artist, so thanks again Valda. Follow Valda on Instagram and check out her website valdabailey.com and also her tuition website. The links and links to some of the other things that came up in the conversation are in the show notes. I'd love to connect with you and you can find me on Instagram, YouTube and at the Viewfinders webpage, links in the show notes. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe, rate and leave a kind review. It's the best thing you can do to help me get the show in front of more people. If you're a new listener, go check out some other episodes. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your photography. I'll see you out there.